thing to bear in mind is we actually all at some point could be vulnerable because we all suffer adverse experiences in life, be that bereavement, poverty, lack of economic opportunity, unemployment. We also uh, see people targeted because um, they have learning disabilities um, or addictions and particularly we see uh, people targeted in homeless um, settings. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Let's Talk About It. For those of you who are watching and listening in for the first time, welcome. Let's Talk About It is our educational mini-series where we sit down and talk with professionals about issues surrounding modern slavery and human trafficking. Now I'm Alistair, the training manager here at Hope for Justice, and today we are joined by Philippa, lawyer and head of policy and research here at Hope for Justice. Hello Philippa. How are you? I'm good thanks Alistair, how are you doing? I'm too good, yeah thanks. And today we are going to get into the definitions of human trafficking, how we characterise the problem globally and how policy affects the prevalence of the issue. So Philippa, let's talk about it. Where do we start when we talk about modern slavery? What would your take be on this? I think we need to start by understanding what it is. Okay. What are we meaning by modern slavery and what we, are we meaning by human trafficking? Two things said in the first sentence here and already I think we kind of have to unpack one or two things because modern slavery and human trafficking, are they the same thing? I hear it being used in some countries but not others. Yeah. Can you tell me more? Um, I think it's a fair comment. Um, so um, often in the UK, the term modern slavery is used. Some countries will use term, uh, the term human trafficking. Um, but effectively, what we're meaning by uh, modern slavery is it's an umbrella term. Okay. And it covers different types of exploitation that could run through from uh, forced labour, forced marriage, okay. um, sexual exploitation. But that's, that's getting to detail at the moment. So I'm thinking, let's take a step back and let's look at... Um, human trafficking, if what it is, how would you unpack that for us? What, did, what would the real main components be for anyone listening in just now? So um, when we're talking about human trafficking, there is an international definition of what we mean by um, human trafficking. And that has three components. Um, the first component, the act. So what's done? So that's the way someone's recruited, or transported yeah. or received by someone. Okay, or harbouring even as well. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. Um, what happens after that? And that's by the means, so how, how's it done? Okay. Um, and that can be because of someone's position of vulnerability, um, it could be by coercion. Um, often we see in cases deception, so someone is deceived um, to come to a country or move through a country um, with a promise, a false promise of a, a job um, somewhere. Could things get violent? Absolutely, but there's more than one way that people are, are coerced and very often see, we see um, psychological uh, coercion as a key element and other forms of coercion such as withholding someone's um, documents or passport. So if I'm hearing you right, some people will feel like there's a 
almost like an informal contract. It's, it's almost like a cultural thing of pride that they want to uphold their end of the bargain when in fact there never really was a contract there in the first place. Well, what actually a trafficker will do will, will be to add on more and more right. debt. So effectively, so someone worse. will never pay off that debt, yeah. in effect. Okay. Um, there are also um, cultural means of controlling. Uh, other examples would be things like witchcraft, like okay. juju. Um, that is very much um, a means somebody could be controlled. So what about, uh, could shame also be an element to this? Where um, a person doesn't necessarily feel they want to or not to circumstances that they're finding themselves in because they, they take pride in wanting to work and they thought they were going to work and now they're in a situation where um, that whole cultural element can really put them in a dilemma of knowing what to do. Yeah, and absolutely, and there's a lot of shame that may be associated with certain types of exploitation, such as sexual okay. exploitation as well. Okay, so uh, in terms of um, the direction that we were going in originally where you were beginning to give us certain types because you've got you've talked about the act mm -hmm. which is like the the, the transportation the harboring um, and also the recruitment and the means and um, how it's done and we've gone through quite a few of those things too what about the uh, the purpose well the purpose um, is why is somebody yeah. exploiting okay. someone and that is often two things, it's power and it's money. It's okay. a, this is a crime of profit. And, and that could be a multi, multiple different types of exploitation. So that could be commercial sexual exploitation, but uh, sexual exploitation more broadly, not in a commercial setting. It could be in a situation of forced labour, which is work and services enacted under some form of penalty that person doesn't volunteer mm -hmm. to do. Um, it could be domestic servitude, where somebody's placed in a situation in a domestic household mm -hmm. uh, where they're significantly um, controlled, they're not being paid properly. Mm -hmm. um, it could be in a situation of forced marriage, mm -hmm. um, but also bonded debt in its own right is a, a practice similar to slavery. So mm -hmm. just the fact that someone is in a situation of a a bonded debt where they have to pay off a debt um, for something, um, that is a, a situation of slavery. And you've also um, had situations around um, organ harvesting as well, which is another form. So organ harvesting, some people might be surprised at that. Um, um, when people do hear about it, they're probably quite shocked that that takes place. What could be the motivation for people being in that situation to um, um, feel that, you know, this is where they're actually sacrificing something that's it's actually them. Well, it comes back to this situation that of people being in situations of vulnerability mm -hmm. of some form. Um, and that what we see in terms of our programmes across the world is multiple forms of vulnerability and often people can end up in a situation of slavery not just because of one particular vulnerability but multiple types of vulnerabilities so well because vulnerability is an interesting term because some people maybe have had certain opinions about a, a term like that where um, 
the vulnerabilities sometimes are almost like stigmatised and mm -hmm. people feel that they don't want to be viewed as such. Yeah. Um, but I've known situations where someone's made a choice, um, for instance, they, um, they thought they'd made a good choice to address they like, their student debt and they decided to become a sex worker. Mm -hmm but not realising that they would end up in a situation where what they were thinking they were getting into was actually um, an organised group who wanted to actually sexually exploit them for their own cause of earning their own money and uh, taking advantage of them. So, um, to all intents and purposes, this person could come across as um, quite intellectual, they've just made a choice about wanting their career, and all of a sudden, circumstances change. Um, yeah, and. You, the reality of the situation is anybody could end up in a situation of vulnerability. Well, we can think of Ukraine, couldn't we, where it's uh, people trying to escape from a crisis of war. Things have happened um, to people who have been on the move all the time in terms of um, trying to escape one particular crisis but then find themselves in the predicament of uh, human trafficking. Have you, do you know much about that? Yeah, so um, what we're seeing thematically across the world is people are on the move. Yeah. Um, for for many, lots of reasons, yeah. Lots of different reasons. Yeah. Um, so some of the things we're seeing, there's an increase in conflict around the world and displacement of people as a result of conflict. And that makes you highly vulnerable when you're fleeing a situation of conflict. Um, but we're seeing mm. other situations where people are on the move, for instance, because of issues relating to climate change. Yeah, I, th I think it's, it's uh, yeah, as you say, there's all sorts of reasons why people are on the move. And when people are on the move, they have to start trusting other people they don't know. Absolutely. Um, they are in situations where they, it's not their first language. Mm -hmm. um, it could be that they feel that they've making the best choice under difficult circumstances. And often they don't know their rights either. Yeah. So we've talked about act, means and purpose um, as the definition, but um, I do understand we in Hope for Justice, uh, often our activities are focused on adults, mm -hmm. but we need to take into consideration children or what we should accurately say, people under the age of 18. Yeah. So how does that impact upon the definition? Because I understand there is uh, elements that we should take into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. And in the international definition, children cannot consent to being exploited because they are children and okay. they are vulnerable in their own right. Mm -hmm. They can't consent. Um, so in terms of the means element is not relevant to children. So moving a child from a place to a place for the purpose of exploitation, that would meet the definition of human trafficking. And that would meet the definition whether that crosses from one country to another or from one street to another. Yes, yeah, so we have talked about immigration uh, as well, but movement can be as small as that. Absolutely, um, and can, and actually in many countries in the world, a significant proportion of the people being exploited uh, for human trafficking or slavery are actually uh, uh, people from within the country. Well, because we work in, uh, in the UK, well I do, and I'm conscious that there's a real significant um, percentage that are now uh, British-born civilians who are in are now becoming uh, victims of trafficking. Yeah, and we see that in both uh, children and adults. Yeah, yeah. 
Let's take this moment to think about the different types of modern slavery that um, we have uh, in the area of the modern slavery sector to understand what's going on with people in the world. So what types of modern slavery are there that you understand that we address? Yeah, sure. So there are a variety of different types uh, of exploitation and often um, a person is not necessarily just exploited in one mm -hmm. type, but multiple types. So that could include um, sexual exploitation. That could be in a commercial setting, but also could be non-commercial, okay. uh, forced labour or services. Um, criminal exploitation, which we're seeing as a trend of increasing really across the world. Slavery or practices similar to slavery, so that could include um, types of uh, legal adoption, forced marriage, um, but could also include debt bondage in its own right. Um, and then domestic servitude, um, and also an area that we're, we're seeing more trends in is um, organ harvesting or the removal of organs. Okay. So who do you think could actually be affected by that list of people? Um, so, for instance, a good example of that is um, domestic servitude, where we could see people actually within um, domestic servitude being sexually exploited, being mm -hmm. subject to... Um, a bonded debt, for instance. Mm -hmm. And really, uh, it's it's not like a, a nine-to-five job, it's 24-7. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of those uh, key indicators is, you know, that somebody can be um, subject to exploitation or, or working significant levels of hours. Right. No time off. Wow. OK. Um, who in our society, or globally, do you think is being impacted by modern slavery in terms of the victims that have uh, come under this particular um, situation? Um, I think thematically there are drivers and vulnerabilities to exploitation. One thing to bear in mind is we actually all at some point could be vulnerable because we all suffer adverse experiences mm -hmm. in life, be that bereavement, mm -hmm. uh, marital breakdown, for instance. Um, so, and there are common uh, vulnerabilities and drivers mm -hmm. that we see, um, uh, poverty, lack of economic opportunity, unemployment, um, homelessness. Um, mental health issues or even um, adverse um, childhood experiences mm -hmm. may be relevant. We also uh, see people targeted because um, they have learning disabilities um, or addictions and particularly we see uh, people targeted in homeless um, settings where they're homeless. Um, also, runaways, people who run away are really actually vulnerable to being targeted by um, exploiters. And as we've seen in, in um, for instance, the Operation Fort case, which was um, a large case that um, we dealt with in the UK, uh, people were actively targeted from outside prison. So um, a previous criminal history can be a vulnerability to exploitation. Alistair, would you like to explain what cuckooing is? I, I, I'll give it a go. Um, it's basically taking the metaphor from nature because you could have a person who's um, an adult who's uh, independent living, 
could be in their own home and um, a little gang decides to um, distribute drugs but they don't have an actual locale in their area so they, they befriend this individual, they ingratiate themselves to certain to get the willingness of this individual over and then basically um, move and marginalise that individual in their own home so they can get on with what they need to do in their criminal activity. And lo and behold, this person is uh, now in a vulnerable place and being exploited as a result. So that's, for me, a short summary of what cocooning could mm -hmm. be. There's such a, a variety in streaming, because like when you've talked about domestic servitude, that is basically being vulnerable in the home yeah. and hidden from yes. so many people. There's been cases for years and years where someone has never been known to be exploited for, to such an extent. And that's happening in a, a home, a place where people f should feel safe and secure and yet have been abused and abused. That's the challenge, isn't it? Is there's individuals out there who have turned another human being into a commodity. Yeah, and actually, um, if you look at, for instance, organised crime and the way organised crime, if you're working outside normal compliance structures, you can very, very quickly innovate and adapt to what's going on in the world. So a really good example of that adaptation in COVID-19, global supplies being interrupted mm -hmm. and the opportunities there around exploitation. So, how do we keep up? It's only through um, innovation. Um, so, um, approaches around things like technology. How can we use... Technology can be used by people exploiting, but it also can be used for good too. But we're not all IT... All our watchers and viewers, well, some of them will say, well, I'm not an IT person. Uh, what can I do? Well, they maybe um, have technical expertise. Uh, but actually, um, in a community, you can play a role in terms of spotting the signs and indicators of what is um, human trafficking, ensuring that actually that information gets to the right sources, to the police, um, to wider agencies. Um, we commonly see um, that um, victims aren't necessarily working in an illegal yeah. <laughs> economy. Um, they're actually placed into businesses and that business might have absolutely no knowledge or understanding that that person is being exploited. They may be paying them the minimum wages, they may be paying them a reasonable wage, but that money is then being taken uh, from that person by the person exploiting them. And let's remind ourselves, all the time, this person is, they're not in physical chains, they're not locked or hidden away in certain circumstances, these people are um, controlled. Yeah. And that control is always at the forefront of their minds because they're fearful and threatened. Yeah, um, and as I say, um, as we previously talked about, can, can control mechanisms can come in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. There could be um, cultural issues why people feel controlled. Um, there can be um, issues that they're only being paid a small amount of money, they don't feel they can escape their situation, or the, the exploiter may be providing work and their accommodation, so they're going to be homeless if they leave that situation, or their circumstances uh, um, back home in another country may be even worse than mm. this. If they're in a business or if they're in a, um, a locality that we walk past them, what kind of things could we notice? 
I think some of the key things that we can um, notice is um, some physical factors or uh, appearance. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody may not have been able to, um, they may not ha have access to um, proper washing well, you, you, meant, you, you refer, sorry to interrupt, but, but obviously you mentioned about Operation Fort. We do know from that particular case that there was no running water in the accommodation yeah. where the people were staying or being housed and uh, they had to use a canal. So mm -hmm. cleanliness and hygiene can be a factor in, in that too and immense tiredness and exhaustion. Yeah, um, people may present as um, fearful, um, Actually, a key indicator if somebody has, doesn't have their, their passport or, or documents. Um, um, often in a lot of countries, actually, people keep their ID documents on them all the time. They could ask, and therefore, that is a really key kind of way that you can control someone. They don't feel they can go to the police because they don't have their documents on them. So they, they're some of the general uh, indicators. But Alistair, you train frontline agencies yeah. around how to understand uh, modern slavery and human trafficking and spot the signs. Mm -hmm. What are the, some of the other things that you might look for? One of the things, biggest challenges for training is that once you've explored what it is, the big thing that needs to shift in people's minds is what does it look like? Mm -hmm. um, because we don't have the insider view of a situation that might be right in front of us. As you said earlier, hidden in plain sight um, could be just that and we don't notice it and it's trying to shift our minds um, uh, because that's what a sign is. It's just pointing in a direction. It could be pointing direction for many other things. It could be um, domestic abuse. It could mm -hmm. be other other factors. I think what we're looking for uh, in training is please include and consider human trafficking and modern slavery as a factor in your thinking and ask your, yourself the question, what does it look like? And the other impact as well is is what does trauma look like mm -hmm. in another person that we're mm -hmm. dealing with? Why are they disproportionate in their behaviour? Why are they silent? Mm -hmm. um, what, are, what are the presenting issues of trauma? And so we have to have an increased awareness of trauma as well mm -hmm. to have an alertness to some of the things that we're encountering. That's one of the things I think is really important. So what does it look like? And having that in the forefront of your mind in a situation where, like you said, um, you're just not quite certain that this is right and you want to be d doubly sure about that. And it's also recognising things like um, the last person that person trusted trafficked them. Mm -hmm. So they may not easily trust and they may not easily trust for other reasons. Maybe lots of reasons why somebody may not trust another person. So building trust is actually really key. Yeah. The other thing too, in terms of spotting the signs, it's, it's not always on you. It's a, it is a personal responsibility to respond, but we want people to respond carefully and yeah. safely. Um, so spotting the signs isn't um, a knee-jerk reaction. It's an awareness element and it's an observation. And with that comes information and insight, but we need to handle that carefully. So mm -hmm. whenever we talk about spot the signs, we're not asking people to take upon themselves to respond to the situation presented to them, but to take that as information and begin to then think, who can I contact or who do I know? One of the other challenges too 
in terms of, say, like spotting the signs, is that it could just be a moment. Mm -hmm. um, if someone is in domestic servitude, it could be the moment where uh, that person is picking up children from school. That may be the only visible moment that individual is seen. So that is important. You could be that link in that chain to spotting that sign. But we also need to be alert that other people may be aware of their journey. And it's important to discuss it, to mm -hmm. share it, to express your ex uh, concerns and then to follow up. And I know on our website, we've got the kind of go-to messages uh, that will alert our watchers and listeners to about um, what to do. And that also includes some of the Spot the Signs resources as well, where we people can be alert to that. And we have posters. We, we provide posters in our training and also leaflets too. Um, so these are, are, are critical points. One other thing too, which we need to cover mm -hmm. is sometimes the person, let's call them the victim at the moment, they need to spot it in themselves. Absolutely. So they may not be self-aware to the actual situation that they're in. And it's not until it's presented to them in their own language mm -hmm. that they can actually begin to appreciate, actually, this isn't right for me. This, my human rights are being um, violated. And uh, I hope for justice have put a lot of effort into multilingual self-assessment leaflets, enable people to be empowered to make the choice that they want for their preferred future. And that's really important, is to enable them to spot the signs within themselves too. Yeah, and you're uh, raising a really key point. A lot of um, people who are victims of trafficking don't actually know that they are victims of trafficking, and we come across that so often. Mm -hmm. And we've got to allow that person to decide within themselves when they want to choose what we would think is freedom and in our eyes and in their eyes. Um, and we have to respect their human rights even in the decision-making they, they have so that we're not foisting our uh, agenda upon a person but we're allowing them to consider seriously what is their future. So let's think through about the impact that governments and policies have on this. Now, we said right at the beginning who you were in terms of policy. So I hope you have some answers for us. So that would be really helpful. Um, and I know in Hope for Justice, we do seek to be supportive and collaborative for governments. That's how we lean in. I'm not going to steal your thunder, but that's the ethos and culture of what we are, we are trying to seek to do by entering that arena. So could you just uh, unpack that a wee bit more for us uh, at this time about why policy is so important and also how that impacts how governments behave towards this issue. I think um, recognising that um, all forms of, of, of slavery, there is a legal framework, there's an international legal framework um, and that's a human rights uh, and victim or survivor-centred approach. And actually that wider legal framework gives us a, an understanding of what it means to have a holistic approach to modern slavery, both at an international level, a national level, and a really local level. So, and that framework includes prevention. Um, and, and prevention is a really wide concept. It includes ensuring that there are things like safe and legal routes for migrant workers, for instance, or uh, for those fleeing um, conflict. 
it's um, reducing overall inequality. We talked about vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Vulnerabilities to exploitation are, have their roots in wider inequalities, economic inequality, mm -hmm. social inequality, racial inequality, mm -hmm. gender inequality. It's actually ensuring that communities at a community level, um, that we are empowering them to become resilient to uh, traffickers by ensuring that they're aware of what their signs are and actually working not for communities but with them to develop responses which will create resilience mm -hmm. in communities. Mm -hmm. So, but prevention on its own will not stop traffickers because they will move around resilient communities. Um, so ensuring that we have methods to identify and protect and safeguard um, victims so that um, they can recover from their experience but also reduce their risk of being uh, re-exploited. Also, if we look to prevent exploitation, uh, we're dealing with it before the harm is done. But also that identification process is also important. But a third element, um, within the international framework, it's framed as prosecution, but I would frame, actually, we need to take a holistic approach to perpetrators and perpetrator accountability, because if we don't hold people responsible for these crimes, they will continue their activities. Um, and that's broadly um, a criminal justice approach to disruption, um, but a wider enforcement, like a labour enforcement approach. Um, it's um, around civil liability, business compliance and business remediation mm -hmm. for, for survivors, but also approaches around restorative justice. And also, if people are prosecuted, how do we then manage those offenders and ensure they are rehabilitated as well? Now, all of the approach and what runs through that international framework is a partnership approach. No one organisation, be that a state or non-state organisation, um, can, can tackle this issue. It's about working together. Also running through that is ensuring that actually survivors and vulnerable communities are absolutely at the centre as those who are experts by experience. Um, it's really important that they're at the centre and actually feeding into policy, both at an international level, national and at a local level, because they're truly the experts in the field. And where are we in, in that regards? Not necessarily just for hope for justice, but just that whole principle of giving survivor voice. I think we've still got a lot of work to do mm -hmm. on that. But it's also um, one thing to recognise is um, survivors bring a wealth of experience to the table, not necessarily just because they are survivors of trafficking, but actually survivors have multiple types of skills. Mm -hmm. They can be artists. They can be policy makers, they can be filmmakers, they can be educationalists, they can be judges and lawyers. Mm -hmm. So there are so, so much, there is a, a rich diversity of technical experience that survivors bring to the table. 
Well, that's really good to hear that and just to understand how the potential of what we're seeking for others and why, in one sense, why hope for justice exists to live in a world free from slavery. And that's why you've just expressed it so well with the, all the kind of opportunities that people can have as a result of that. Yeah, and I, I think there's more to do at the international level, there's more to do at each level to ensure that actually survivors are central um, in terms of policy making. Um, we've still, but we're not where we were around that. Um, we are moving forward and, and one of the things, for instance, the Organisation for Security and Cooperation in Europe, they have a, a survivor council, an international survivor council mm. that feeds into policy. So in, are they actually able to learn from that good practice from that one international organisation into other areas in the world? Yeah, because some of these things can act as a real um, blueprint. And so if, if for instance, um, a country has a, a survivor council or ensures that survivors are, are running through on, on committees within um, multi-agency or government committees, um, that actually can act as a blueprint for how uh, other countries can, uh, can mirror some of that work. Philippa, thank you for just this time being able to talk with you. It's always a privilege to chat through on this topic and to do it with you today has been no different. It's just been a great opportunity. And of course, thank you for tuning in. As always, if you have any comments or questions about this topic or any of the others we've covered in previous episodes, please let us know. We'd love to hear it. We've got more episodes coming soon so stay tuned, but for now, see you next time.